You have a text message from Evan Lian. Would you like me to read it? From Tears Over Steak in 2DWC Chicago, it's Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, a podcast where two dudes, that's us, watch cartoons. I'm Evan Lian. And I'm Alex Brizard. Previously on Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, what is it that makes a Batman story? Why does the Batman mythos persist? People have opinions on the Batman, and I want to get their opinions. Could you state your name for the record, please? Hi, uh, my name's Andrew Cho. My name is Caitlin Godfrey. I think the things about the Dark Knight that speak for themselves is just the, the impact that it had on us as like a society at the time. Mm-hmm. Collectively, we all decided this shit is so good. All the people involved seem to be taking this the character very seriously and they're trying to do it justice which i as a fan can wholeheartedly appreciate and i honestly think it's going to translate really well just based on what little i've seen already and with that our investigation was coming to a close this long winding road we've been traveling was finally running out which meant there was one more stop we had to make i got two tickets for the 630 batman I didn't know it at the time, but we were about to strap in for the most Batman, Batman movie of all Batman movies. Anything else? That'll be it. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Monday, March 7th. I've just seen Matt Reeves the Batman twice over opening weekend. I'm still losing sleep over it. Two months of nights have turned me into a nocturnal animal. Recording. Editing. Waiting. They tell me this investigation is a waste of time. But I am a waste of time. Hey man, I uh, I just got your voicemail. Is everything okay? Are you good? Your voice sounds totally fucked up right now. Don't forget, you know, we have that interview coming up with Evan. And, you know, I want to make sure we're on top of our game. We're, we're wrapping up our investigation here. We're getting to the bottom of it. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. Like, drink some water, man. You, you don't sound so good. We are finally coming to the end of our investigation. Months of intensive labor. And we are sitting down for one final interview with Mr. Evan Laybourne, who is going to give us all the details about our climactic finish. And we are going to be covering, finally, Matt Reeves, The Batman. Uh, but before we get there, Evan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? How are you doing, first off? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I love the podcast. I'm so psyched for you guys. I've been secretly waiting for Evan Lee to be like, yo, dude, you should come out of the podcast, bro. I've been secretly waiting because I'm such a fan. And I'm just so happy to be on. Thank you guys for having me. We are excited to have you here to talk about this monumental movie, shall I say. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, Okay. I had doubts 
Everyone's heard them. If you've listened to part one of the podcast, I was starting to get nervous that maybe this was not going to live up to all the hype in my head. But the verdict is in. It lived up to the hype. I am so excited. I love this movie. General first impressions, uh, uh, starting with Evan Leon, since we have two Evans here today. <laughs> I was cautiously optimistic, I'll say. We had recently watched Dark Knight. I just wanted to get myself in the mood, see where the bar is. And, you know, that's a, a tough movie to, to stand next to. But Matt Reeves, the Batman, is a triumph. It checks all the boxes off for me. I saw it twice opening weekend, once on mm. Thursday, once Sunday night. I really want to see it again, <laughs> even though it's a three-hour slog. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Layborn, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I echo your guys' sentiments. I, I went in and, you know, I was, I, I would say, cautiously optimistic as well, like you, Leon. And, um, you know, the, the thing for me was, I, so I'm such a huge Rob Pattinson fan. Uh, I've become such a huge fan of his over the years. He's really, truly become one of my favorite actors. He's acted in some of my favorite movies. And so I was feeling very like, okay, worst comes to worst. I'm sure Rob Pattinson is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. But I was very surprised at how well made of a Batman film this was. I really thought, like you guys say, it checked all the boxes for me. It was it was really, I thought it was tasteful. It was interesting. It's probably the most interesting Batman story I've ever seen on the big screen, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was just fun to sit there and try and follow what was going on. The characters were amazing. I, so yeah, it. I, I totally loved it. I, mm. I thought it was amazing. I love to hear that. I, for one, was not um, convinced, I guess, one way or the other on Rob Pattinson. Mm. I don't dislike the guy by any means but i was like Mm. oh okay you know he's starting to do more out there stuff with the lighthouse so i went in not really 100 percent sure on my feelings on him but holy shit did he act the hell out of this role and in honesty a lot of it was super nonverbal, which to me as an actor is so goddamn hard and Mm -hmm. he can convey just this this uh i don't even know how to this badassery this freaking stare that intimidates you he can convey paranoia he was doing so much just through his eyes in a batman mask i was very impressed with robert pattinson i I have to say his portrayal of batman was top notch in the suit he absolutely yeah so maybe before we before we get into the movie or 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 too in depth on robert pattinson specifically i I would say I'm closer to Alex where like, I know he's been doing more indie art house stuff. I haven't really probably watched any of it. Mm. Um, Twilight movies were the last of the thing, you know, (laughs) movies of his that I watched, which, you know, they were of the times, you know, I can't hold that against him. It was a major blockbuster franchise, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was generally aware of his slow come up as an actor. But I know The Lighthouse is a recent, well-received performance of his with Willem Dafoe. What's your like hit list of like Robert Pattinson movies to check out? So Lighthouse is is number one for me. Lighthouse mm-hmm. is the movie that like totally put me on the the Robert Pattinson bus. I was like, okay, this dude is a like a force of nature. Mm-hmm. He can play anybody. Mm-hmm. Before that, I would say Good Time, which is a movie directed by uh, the Safdie brothers, who more recently did Uncut Gems. Uh, it was one of their it wasn't their first movie but it was the first of their movies that was on my radar 
And, you know, I won't go too much into the plot or anything, but that is the other Robert Pattinson movie where I would say, like, mm-hmm. when I saw that, I was just like, geez, we're really sleeping on this dude. This guy is, is a monster. <laughs> so those those two honestly put together, and there was a myriad of ones where, like, you know, after Twilight, he did some some kind of mm-hmm. rom-drom, like, yeah. remember me kind of type movies, you know, Not which were, which, that. yeah, it just kind of like, you know, which I thought were good, but those two movies really were like, oh shit, like this guy is, is re- he can play a freak and Batman's a freak. <laughs> yeah. So Batman is, is a Batman's freak. a total that freak. So, so true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought it was perfect. This is really random for me, but one thing that really started turning me around on Robert Pattinson is I've like, when he got announced that he was playing Batman, I've started seeing more interviews of him and I started seeing a lot of interviews around the time of him, I think wrapping up, twilight movies and Mm. they were just very um he just didn't seem very into the movies or the books and i actually thought it was like (laughs) really funny the quote that always sticks out to me is he goes the first time i read it he goes it felt like i was reading someone's weird personal diary and i was like oh my god (laughs) and so his reviews on the twilight movies i was like oh okay he he gets it too at least he's like in on it so for me it was the self-awareness and God, there's always something about those British actors. But yeah, yeah. before we get too too down the the Pattinson hole, let's uh, let's talk about this movie. And I, I don't necessarily want to go shot by shot, but I do want to start this podcast off with the opening scene of the movie. Oh my god! Because I think it's brilliant. Yes. After seeing, I thought it was amazing the first time I saw it, and when I saw it a second time, I was like, "It's even better than it was the first time." So I don't even know how to set the stage here. the The Riddler opening scene was great. We get the binoculars and the Ave Maria. Was not expecting that. But who here thought at first that we were looking through Batman's binoculars? That's that That was was my very first impression. That was my immediate impression. I think you're supposed to think that. Exactly. Yes. Oh, there's so many of these moments where it's just so good. And so, yes, I thought it was him. And I'll be honest, I actually thought that that might be a real ninja and he was killing that man until he (laughs) grabbed it. There was a split second where I was like, we're getting right into it. I was like, oh, that is a child on Halloween. Got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. But um, my heart was racing the whole scene. And that Uh is one thing I noticed throughout this movie is scenes that maybe weren't always as intense or like jaw dropping thrilling your hearts your heart rate would still get up you could still get a little nervous a little paranoid and i just think that is such a testament to that movie the whole of this movie the music the visual but so this opening scene is a really good look at kind of what's going on in gotham with our mayor and just like a little bit about the Riddler. Ooh, and he's, ooh, mm-hmm. I love that we start with him. I, I think that is kind of a Batman movie tradition. We, we do like to look at our villain in the opening scene. Totally. I thought it was a great introduction to the Riddler. And like you said, I just thought the, the, the vibe that they set from frame one, it was so steeped in tone and character that it was just like, oh, this is like the movie I'm watching. This is different than the other ones. It was immediate from yes. the visual, like you said, from the visual aspect to even just the the way that the pacing, the pacing, everything uh-huh. about it set it apart. You're so right. That's a great way to put it, too, is it felt mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. distinct from the start from the reveal, the first reveal of the Riddler in the shadows. It's got like it's it's it's, it's almost a jump scare. I got scared. It's yeah. I got to a jump scare. Yeah, because I didn't catch it right away. And then my eye focus on it and I was like, <gasps> 
It like and, was some like conjuring shit. Like yeah. I was actually scared. It was from that. I was like, oh, this movie is going to be something different. Mm. And yes. I was like, okay, I got to like mentally prepare myself. I'm not here to be like shoveling popcorn in my mouth. Like I'm about to watch a goddamn movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that that's nice. And it, that's the most obvious or the most apparent instance of it having these horror inspirations, but it's a thread throughout, especially with the score where there's moments where the Batman is scored beating people up, but it's like, it's like the, the high pitched violin squeal, like, like that horror movie shit. The psycho. When when we're watching. Yeah. When we're watching the Batman and I was like, I love the parallels they draw. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm uh, no, everything's fair game. I want your thoughts as they come out. I'm serious here. This is what makes a good interview. We want Uh your memory as fresh as possible. So give us every detail as it comes to you. That was that was something I picked up on my second time watching both the Riddler and the Batman. The background is scored by like this horror mm. music, and mm-hmm. and I, I it's just so beautiful because that very first shot sets that duality. What really is the difference between the Riddler and the Batman? Mm. Uh, it's great. I like that way of thinking of it. I do too. Most times when we look at Batman, we are picturing like an action movie. A, a darker yes. action crime movie. This was like a horror mystery with some action. Right. And it was so well done. And it, it it's laid out beautifully from the first scene. And then we actually get into, I, I consider almost this the opening. This was what I originally wanted to talk about was the narration of Robert mm. Pattinson and Batman right after this scene. And when he's Two riding around the nights, oh, it ah. is, it's chilling. But it's it's also, once again, uh, just to talk about Batman's voice, it's always like a, a topic of conversation. He's not doing too much with it, but I'm still getting everything I need to across. Like, it's Absolutely. not the this. He's not, or he doesn't have the Ben Affleck literally voice modulator. It's just his voice. It's you literally know, just, it's so mm-hmm. good. I've never once in my lifetime been like, what? He's just using his voice. <laughs> I, I actually, that's so true. And I recently watched an interview where he talked about that a little bit. Someone asked him, so, you know, the voice, how did the voice come to you? Because, you know, it's such a big part of Batman. And basically, you know, I'm not going to quote him exactly because I don't exactly remember what he said. But he was saying, it just, you know, when you put on the suit and you're in the suit and it's just kind of, it's it comes to you, you know? So it was much less a thing, whereas like, you know, with, you know, with my personal opinion, the Christian Bale voice, it's, it was very, you know, it's like, oh, he's doing a voice. You know, he's very much <laughs> doing a voice right now. That's it's very, very obvious. Yes. Um, with with uh, Robert Pattinson's, it just felt more felt more natural. It just felt like, oh, it's mm. just, it, you know, there's a dude under there. You get a sense yeah. that there's, there's somebody <laughs> under there. Going back to what you said, Alex, it makes The Dark Knight feel like a or, or we think of Batman movies typically as an action movie. In retrospect, The Dark Knight is held as the gold standard of the Batman movie. Mm -hmm. And compared to this movie, it feels like a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Like, I didn't know this is what I was missing in a Batman movie. Yes. I think that's a great way to put it. Even the action feels more, it feels more like it moves a scene. Just those action scenes feel like they move the story along. There's a purpose to them. It doesn't feel Mm. spectacle-ish. Yes, that's the term. 
it was a spectacle without being a spectacle. It was like right. beautifully done, but without the grandiose of, you know, the Joker running a bus through the side of a building, right, which very- is exciting in its own regard. But this was just so much more grounded in that way. And it's hard to call yeah. the movie grounded because there's a lot of very unrealistic things that do happen, mm-hmm. but it never felt unrealistic right. as weird as that sounds. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And so the part I love is the thing we have never really seen in a Batman movie is just this opening shot of all these different criminals. And Robert Pattinson is narrating. He says, my victims think I hide in the shadows. I am the shadows. And we get this amazing visual representation of this where these people committing crimes take a look up at the bat signal. And then they stare into some dark alleyway, some dark doorway, and you can feel and see the fear that they have. Mm -hmm. And that is what this movie does better than so many other movies, not just Batman movies, is this was a show, not tell. It wasn't the criminal being like, oh, I'm, I'm scared, man. It was just a look in a dark alley and I got scared from it by it was through osmosis. It made me frightful to walk down that dark alley. Oh, it was so well done. I, I can't praise it enough. And just for it to be the opening scene to me, I was like, this is what is great about Batman is he goes, I don't need to be everywhere. I just need them to be afraid of me. And it's mm-hmm. mm, that's such a crucial part of Batman is he's like, I can't be everywhere stopping all crime. But if that bat signal stops one person from doing something, we're, we're on the right path. Oh, I love it. I love it. Sorry. I, I know I just ranted there, but no, it's great. such a good scene. No, that was one of my uh, you, you said it. Show don't tell. It was uh, and that was the, the sense I was getting. I was like, oh, this is like I was thinking it was one of the best examples of that that I've seen in a long time. Yes. You know, show don't tell where so much is said about the character, about the city, about what how people perceive this this character mm-hmm. the, the batman and it, it was just i thought it was just wonderful since we're a little bit here he's a new batman that's mm-hmm. a really fresh look we do usually see him when he's a bit more established i know batman begins bounces back and forth a little between you know him starting and established but he's really just new he's learning he makes mistakes and what i love about this is not everyone knows him and I'll be honest, I don't even think his name's technically the Batman yet. I don't think he has a name. It's and like, it's like a, a newspaper moniker they've given him, like Florida Man. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, 100%. Because a lot of the time, most of the characters, because when he introduces himself, most mm-hmm. of the characters will continue to call him Vengeance throughout the movie. And upon first watch, I thought it was just them jabbing and joking at him. Upon second watch, I think he doesn't have a name. And the Riddler is the one that just calls him the Batman. And everyone's like, oh, well, clearly he's talking about the mask vigilante beating people to a pulp at night. Mm, and right. I think that's where he gets his name. I love when the penguin goes, oh, you, you want to drink Mr. Vengeance? <laughs> 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 and Catwoman calls him it. So I really like this look of Batman because it is building in Gotham that fear, that myth, that that uh-huh. the building of this person who is the Batman. So you talked about the fear that he instills with the bat signal, uh, which I love how much they utilized it. It was a central yeah. location in this movie. What did you guys think of this rendition of Gotham City? I think I was comparing it to some of the other Batman movies. I'm thinking of the Dark Knight trilogy. 
you watch those movies and it's like, oh, they're, you know, they're in New York. You know, mm-hmm. like that's kind of how it feels to me, it, except yeah. maybe for the first one a little bit. But this one really felt, it just felt like its own city. You know, it just felt like a place I can't point at on the map. Yes. It just, you know, it totally well felt said. like in this universe, it didn't take me out of it at all. I didn't see any buildings I recognized. Stuff like that, you know, where mm-hmm. just those little things. It just, again, firmly planted it in the world that it's trying to build. I think that's the best way to put it is it looked realistic. It looked super run down, which we need. But it wasn't as many times like, oh, that's Chicago or, oh, right. oh, that's actually Detroit. Like, I know that spot. You know, my girlfriend, Nikki, is from Chicago. So when they were ever in like the subway, she's like, oh, yeah, I know uh, that's that's Chicago. And I was like, OK, well, <laughs> most of us don't get that feeling. <laughs> right. Um, sure. No. Yeah. Yeah. One of uh, my good friends, Alex Day, pointed out to me that there's really only like three scenes that take place during the day. And I think that makes a difference is a lot of times we get Gotham during the day and at night. Mm-hmm. This was just Gotham at night and criminals it. and politicians and gangsters are running rampant and watch out for crooked policemen. And there was no, you know, businessmen going to work during the day. It was just mm-hmm. raining and crime written. And it was, I just loved this look at Gotham. So I think that brings us to the Batman's first appearance. There's a, a gang of Joker imposters or fanboys. That's a good way to put it. Uh, they're beating up a poor, unsuspecting Asian man. You know, Which, racial profiling and shit. Uh, like it's fucked up. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Ba- but Batman can't stand for that. This is totally <laughs> such a thing that would happen, and it's great foreshadowing. Is these villains who go like public, like super villains, like they're on the news and people hear about them? They would have people who'd be like, "Oh yeah, man, the Joker's right. You didn't hear all the politicians; they're corrupt." Blah blah blah. They inspired the, copycats. Yes, and it's great foreshadowing, and so I love that it's like the first part of the movie. We get the Joker, and we just know we don't need. One thing this movie does is it does not talk down to its audience. We know mm-hmm. who the Joker is. We know how Bruce's parents died. We know this, that, and whatever. So I appreciate that in that movie. In this movie, I understand some people can point to those as criticisms. And I would not fault them, but I personally really appreciated that because they, we just got three hours of shit I wanted to see, baby. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I mean, I loved the. This is, in my opinion, probably the most epic Batman entrance yeah. I've seen. It was just like so epic. My, I was just watching it, and just I. It was one of those things where I realized when, when I was sitting in the theater, I was like, "Oh, my mouth is wide open." Yeah. You know, I'm like just because yes. it's so awesome. And it's so, so violent for PG thirteen. So wailing on him. He was wailing on these guys, and the cherry on top that I think really even just further drilled the vibe home and drilled the character home is that the man he was protecting was scared of him at the yeah. end. You know, and I think so that was true. I think that was great, note. and that prevailed all the way. You know, I don't want to skip all the way to the end already, but that had you know at the very end that happened too. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that part of it you already get a sense of like, oh, you know, people aren't sure about this guy yet. Mm. It doesn't need to lay it all out for us. And it's so crucial throughout the whole movie. And so the fact that the, his entrance ties thematically to his his ending points, it's so well done. It's great writing, too. It's insane to be able to keep that. I can't even imagine the task of doing that, writing that with a three-hour time span. It's just like, <laughs> how do you even begin to connect those things? Like, you know... Mm. They're easy to talk about after when you've seen the finished product, but it's like, yeah. damn, I would have loved mm-hmm. to have been a fly on the wall in that 
writing room or whatever. Oh, it's so insane. crazy. All right, Evan yeah. Lee, and what did you think of the Batman's entrance? Uh, like you were saying earlier, so much of Pattinson's portrayal of Batman is physical. It's nonverbal. Mm. His slow gait. I was thinking about it as like, you have to exercise physical restraint to walk that slow. He's like, <laughs> clip, clop. It it's echoes so and you hear like his utility belt rattle. And then before he says anything, before he mutters his first lines of the movie, movie I'm vengeance. He just fucking wails on this dude. <laughs> bop, 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 bop. I'm vengeance. <laughs> it's so great. It's so good. Oh my it God. is an amazing Batman entrance. And think about yeah. it. Like I said, it's not his parents dying in the alley and him as a child. It's not him training. It's him just on year two of being the Batman. It, I love it. Just drop me in here. This is such a fresh <laughs> take. And I know this yeah. is another criticism of people. To me, this movie was a character study of the Batman. It was all about him. It was from his mm-hmm. perspective. And we barely saw any Bruce Wayne. And when we did see Bruce, he was really working on Batman stuff. And when he's dedicating his whole life to this cause, this idea, this thing, the Batman, you see him get consumed with it in everything Mm -hmm. he does. And so it manifests in the way he walks and talks. And it's just, I appreciate so many little things about this movie upon second watching that is just very clear. And there's small hints of the legacy that is to come of the Batman and that he's just at the, the doorway right now. We've heard that criticism too of like, where's the billionaire playboy? And it's like, did you not watch this movie? He hasn't invented the Bruce Wayne persona yet. He is addicted to his work. It's all consuming. It's all he can think about. Um, The Riddler has in their conversation later on in the movie, he says, the mask is the real you. That's the point of the movie. It is a character study of Batman. Um, I do want to ask, before the first trailer had come out, seeing paparazzi shots or whatever of the costume i'll be honest i i wasn't a hundred percent sold what did you guys think of this new costume i like you before going in was like oh it looks all right once i got there i loved it so like the suit was professional grade i love that he was bulletproof too honestly just mm-hmm. batman needs to be bulletproof <laughs> and yeah the mask, though, so it, it looked like professional grade body armor, but like the mask and cape looked homemade. And I totally. loved it. I actually thought it was really good. And I think part of what he had as an advantage is it was always fucking raining. And I think it looked cool as shit when it was wet <laughs> and raining. <laughs> For sure. I agree. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was such a great, you know. Am I going to say it was the best bat suit of all time? I don't know. You know, but I think for this interpretation of Batman, where he is in his life, like we've talked about two years into being the Batman, it's perfect. It's not chic and shiny like Mm -hmm. many of the other ones. There's no nipples on it. You know, it's just unfortunately unfortunately for us. (laughs) Pro nipples. (laughs) Big pro nipple bat suit. But um, no, I thought it was awesome. And one other thing that I loved about, you know, and I'm going to keep going on about Robert Pattinson because I simply, I love the man. Um, mm-hmm. I thought his physicality of the Batman was perfect for this point because when I think back about other Batmans, specifically Christian Bale, I think, you know, when you see that guy, he's huge. He is huge in that bat suit. And not saying that Robert Pattinson is not huge in this bat suit, 
but he looks like a like a guy. You know, he looks he's like tall, but like, not like stocky. Yeah. If that makes right. sense, totally. And it looks like a guy that you might see on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, that you <laughs> yeah. might walk yeah. by and be he like, looks, "He looks attainable." <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that was big for me. I wanted to be knowing that I could attain attain that the, level of fitness. To me, I think the best way to put it is like if um someone saw Christian Bale's Batman, or excuse me, if someone saw Christian Bale's uh Bruce without the his shirt on, they'd be like, Whoa, dude, why are you so ripped? Yeah, but like, if they saw this one, if they saw Robert, they'd be like, Oh yeah, no, he's just you know, he's, he's the, the recluse billionaire that yeah, uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. get out much. He used to work out a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it was. And so I think that's a good way to put it was, you know, if he took his shirt off as Bruce Wayne, no one's gonna be suspicious. Yeah. yeah. Um but but yeah, I loved the costume after watching it. I love how practical it felt. You could hear all the pieces move. You could hear the leather yeah. rub against itself. And the I boots. loved, I loved, loved, loved the leather cowl because it does feel a little homemade. But more so than that, for me, I think it puts you into the world of this neo-noir detective mystery movie. It's not this weird like polyester or whatever the fuck plastic casted you know thing of his his bust but it's like it's just a leather mask there's the it's a tiny touch but there's like the slight eyebrow line which is a callback to adam west the 60s batman Mm -hmm. show it's just like chef's kiss you know and we haven't even touched on it but this movie is chock full of like easter eggs and references and we're gonna miss a ton of those because one i'm not great Mm -hmm. at them two most of the ones i learned are are from my good friend tommy pizzullo so Mm -hmm. anything i do say i probably got from him (laughs) (laughs) um all right so i think you know in the 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 interest of keeping the podcast moving we've already we're only at the first scene and we've spent a half hour talking but uh this is gonna be a three-hour podcast as yeah, well. Actually. it could be um so it, not necessarily chronologically but the next character i want to get to is alfred whoa not the jump i thought you were going for andy circus the the mocap artist behind such beloved characters as smeagol and Caesar is that his name in yeah. Planet of the Apes? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Caesar. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, Caesar, um, no kill ape. Ulysses Claw in Black Panther. Uh, mm-hmm. with, he's one of the people who has crossed both universes. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this: Alfred was criminally not in a ton of the movie, but mm-hmm. he had some super like impactful and important parts in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Evan Labor, what did you think of uh, this Alfred we got? I loved, I loved this Alfred. I agree with you. I thought I would have loved to maybe see him in a little bit more because I just thought he was so great. And um, I was talking to one of our buddies, uh, Phil Gallagher, about Alfred and this portrayal of Alfred, and and what he said, I really think hits the nail on the head. Is that Alfred in this movie feels much more almost like a bodyguard to Bruce Wayne, which I think is interesting mm-hmm. in bodyguard might not be the best term, but protector, maybe mm-hmm. more so than Michael Caine in the, uh, in the Nolan trilogy feels just like, you know, a Butler. And he gives, yeah. you know, with his unending servitude and all of this. And, uh, you know, Alfred felt like, I'm sorry, uh, Andy Serkis's Alfred really felt like the physical protector of Bruce yeah. Wayne, which I thought and, um, was great. 
and that that is something I think is kind of newer in some of like the comic book lore of mm-hmm. of Alfred is he's got like military background or and he's sometimes cited as the Wayne family's secure head of security or whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of where that comes from, but I think right. it works in this really grounded um, rather than just having just like a, a butler yeah. <laughs> around. Yeah. You know? Total, totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And he serves a really important movie or movie moment, if you will, when mm-hmm. Bruce finally, and I'm jumping towards the end of it, but when Bruce admits, you know, I'm not afraid to die. But there is one thing I'm still afraid of, losing those um, that are close to me. Mm. And it's a touching moment because, like, he's been pushing Alfred away for most of the movie. He literally said, you're not my dad. Like, not even as a joke. He literally <laughs> yeah. said it. And so, um, yeah, you know, it was a really good moment. I, it almost brought a tear to my eye. I was like, damn, this is so good. And that's why I'm saying is I really liked this Alfred. But I, I don't think I could ever call him my favorite over Michael Caine. But mm. he served such a important part of the movie that, like, I'm glad it was him. I'm glad I loved everything he did with it. And, yeah, I think we will get more of him because, as we mentioned, I think as Bruce is going to be out being more a public figure, maybe he's going to mix it up with the mayor. And maybe he's going to actually start doing more of that Playboy stuff. That's going to mm. be where Alfred comes in, getting him, like, re-civilized. Like, he's like a, a stray dog right now. Oh. And yeah. Catwoman called him a stray. He is a stray right now, and Alfred's going to tame him. She's got a thing for strays. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great line, not to so, jump around. But yeah. that one literally made me like gasp a little. I was like, oh, uh, yeah. that's so good, because I thought it was a joke. <laughs> the way it was set up, he goes, you got a lot of cats. And she goes, you got a lot of cats. God, I love <laughs> his fucking bad. Yeah. And so she goes, good. I got a thing for strays. And I was like, oh, ooh. It like made my body tingle a little. I was like, oh, okay. So I don't want yeah. to jump the gun here, but whenever we get into Commissioner Gordon and Jeffrey Wright's portrayal of Commissioner Gordon, we're going to have Evan Lee and do his uh, Jeffrey Wright impersonation because yeah. it is it is <laughs> chef's kisses. I got to think about it for a second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we can get to, we can get to it soon. All I want to I'll, I'll wrap up, but uh, I, I think yeah, obviously we all wanted more. I think more so than Andy Serkis as Alfred. I think I like what Alfred represented story wise. Mm, his mm-hmm. I loved. The terse relationship. I don't even know if that, if I'm using that word correctly, but yeah, I, don't I love that relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't going to say relationship <laughs> with. I just say things and look them up later. I wasn't right, going to call you out, out <laughs> but you <laughs> called yourself out. Uh, but I love his relationship with Bruce because Bruce is really bristly towards him. And it's like, you know, they're not friends. He has the you're not my mm-hmm. dad moment, mm-hmm. which is a little goofy. That's, no, there are it couple, felt uh, it's a little, it's it a felt little, right. It, it's earned, a goofy yes. line when I say it back. And that's why I had to joke about it. But it felt it felt fine in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they set it up well with the cufflinks too. I love that moment. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that let's let's head to the next character, Jim Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright. Layborn, let's start with your thoughts. Amazing portrayal, and I think really I can't. It's hard for me to talk about this character by himself without bringing in him and Batman's. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, fine. Bring him uh, up. Okay. Connection here and mm-hmm. uh, uh, chemistry. I just thought. The like it's like uh what's that thing in Dragon Ball Z the fusion thing the fusion you know? dance, yeah. <laughs> like it's like when you combine these two if you create this this force that is just like so it was so awesome to watch them it just felt like I was in the room with both of them figuring this out while they're figuring it yes. out they're talking mm-hmm. to each other yeah. they're figuring it out and I just thought he was a great 
great um, compliment to to Batman, in my opinion. I love the partner look for these two. Yeah. Once again, I love that we just jump into Jim Gordon wholeheartedly trusting Batman with his chest and him being basically the only one. The opening scene, not the opening scene, but I keep calling everything the opening scene. <laughs> so Jim's opening scene where he's walking Batman through the crime scene and all uh-huh. the cops are staring at him. So oh. good. And and then he goes, hey, you're going to let him in here? And he goes, stand down, Ramirez. Oh, my God. So good. Once again, it's all show, not tell. It's not like the cops are like, we don't trust him, Jim. And Jim goes, well, I do. So you have to deal with it. It's mm-hmm. it's so well done. It's tense. It's a little awkward. And once again, you hear his goddamn leather boots with the wet <laughs> on the wood. It's such a great scene. Every scene these two were in, Neither of them stole the show because they played off each other so well. So well. This was such a great partner look for the two of them. And I think it would be a shame not to mention right now the part where uh, Batman gets arrested and is in the p- police precinct. And Jim's like, let me talk to him. Let me talk to him. I'll talk sense into him. And he gets in his face and he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. He's like, here's the key. You go down that. So good. So good. It's not like this big dramatic twist like you would see in most Batman movies, but it's just such a mm, great moment, if that makes any sense. It's, oh, I love it. I think it's the first time we really see them portrayed as true equals and partners. Like Mm -hmm. most of the time we see Jim Gordon as not dopey but he's a little bit of like the the little he's brother the he's, he's he's always trying to catch up with the batman always out of breath getting to the crime scene or yes you know being sh- shocked he's always a step batman behind. does the irish goodbye yeah he's always a step behind but this time they're really in it together um this was one of the characters that tested my commitment to this movie just by how committed jeffrey wright was in the role when they're first going through the crime scene <laughs> it felt almost uh, like I was watching like people put on a mystery play at times, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a mystery dinner a mystery theater dinner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when they're talking about the first card and Batman says, Eli still and Jeffrey Wright. Come on, like, that wasn't great. <laughs> and Jim's like, Eli still the card. He left a message for the Batman. <laughs> like, there it it's is. so good. It's the Riddler so left a message good, for the Batman. Okay, um, we're not going to get into all the Riddler's riddles, but this one is these two bouncing off each other. That's such a good scene when yeah. they really show Batman's intelligence right from the jump. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, look at the the bruising around the thumb. He That was cut off while he was alive or something. And then also him getting the riddle. And that is such a nice callback to the old school Riddler in the TV show because Adam West would always get these riddles by a skywriting plane and Robin mm-hmm. would read it and Batman would answer within a second. He would yeah. always know the answer in a second. And so I loved that this Batman, he didn't get it like r- comedically right away, but he knew the answer. And I love that riddle because I was thinking so hard about it. I was like, what does a liar <laughs> do when they die? I was like, what do they do? And then he goes, he lies still. And I just go, oh, that's so, uh, I should have so known. <laughs> yeah. Know. I just think I love that that scene between them. Just again, another show don't tell moment where they just really drilled in the fact that these two need each other. They need each other to operate mm. where they're at right now. In the past movies, you know, Gordon is a is a, a big resource for Batman, and that remains mm. today. But I really get the sense that Gordon needs Batman here too. You know, yes. big like in a bigger way than at least I recall 
in a lot of the other movies. So, like mm-hmm. after they get the thumb drive, Gordon goes, I oh, love yeah, we that whole go. scene. The thumb drive was great. The cars and he oh, goes, this guy's goes, hilarious. <laughs> That's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> good. He goes, <laughs> no, I just love it, though, because he goes, all right, so we got to go to the that's the iceberg lounge. He goes, we won't get in there without a warrant. And Batman just goes, yeah. Like he knows, he's like, I'm getting in there without he knows a warrant. He's getting through that and door. I love that moment. Is Jim's just kind of like, oh yeah, we will, we'll never get in there without a warrant. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This movie was funny. There was so yeah. many funny moments that are not funny. like laugh out loud, but it, that's one of them right there where Batman just goes, yeah. Like we all know what he was about to go do. Great, yeah. great stuff. The twins at the door, they were hilarious I every time they, they answered the door. And yeah. I'm sure we're going to get into it eventually, but there were moments uh, where I was I was belly laughing because of the penguin. <laughs> yeah, he said he some so things, good. man. That I'm going to do my no hablo espanol. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. take it easy, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That was good. That was really good. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah so but good. so like I was saying, like so th- that first crime scene uh, investigation was like really my first test of like, oh, are you are you in? to this concept of this movie i was like gotta remember this is what i want this is what i signed up for like Mm. let's fucking do it we're going balls to the wall neo-noir mystery detective angle they're gonna have some cheesy lines when when catwoman's like hey why do i feel like a fish on a hook i had to pull myself back and remember like he's doing genre right now which i love about this movie which is so rare to see these days but i kind of had to remind myself Mm -hmm. this is not a marvel movie this is not a christopher nolan blockbuster dark knight movie that being said let's talk about some of the 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 cursory villains penguin played by colin farrell you could have fooled me what he looks so different and he sounds so different it's you crazy. literally can't even tell it's him. I'm interested to hear what you guys found out that it was Colin Farrell. For the, I'm sure I'm you know I'm assuming it was before the movie, but yeah. at what point did you find out that the Penguin is Colin Farrell? I didn't find out until after the trailer, maybe a week or two after the trailer Whoa. came out. Someone, I think <laughs> yeah. my buddy Tim Barrett told me, "Hey, that's Colin Farrell." What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, the no, it's fuck not. it's not. It, it's clearly not. And, <laughs> yeah. But and then it is, and that's I mean. Me and Evan had the same conversation. He yeah. was like, Colin yeah. Farrell's the penguin. And I was like, I don't think so. I was like, I think he's someone else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. not knowing anything. I was just like, no, I don't think so, dude. It's so, totally a different yeah. man. And it's just, yeah, it was so insane, the level of prosthetics. Um, yeah. And it fit. I thought it totally worked. Mm-hmm. It looked great. It, didn't, it never looked cheesy to me. And it looked no. like what I want Oswald Cobblepot to look like. Mm-hmm. So I loved this portrayal of the penguin um he wasn't like while he was like a criminal and villainous he was kind of just like whoa 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 i'm minding my own business here like what are you doing what are Mm -hmm. you doing and he just kind of had some important key info at points and you know he's going to be more important in the different movies and he's going to mix it up and he's someone who batman's always going to interrogate when he needs some sort of dirty freaking dirt on someone because you know who's got it it's the penguin Yeah. And he's one of those characters that, again, is like a hallmark of the genre. Like he's doing over the top mobster. And the fact that they got such an A-lister, such a high quality actor to do like a a B-tier character plot wise in this movie speaks volumes about it i think they're gonna there there is a penguin spinoff show in the works which i think he must be so fun to see 
I think he did. Right. But, yeah. Um, that'll but be really I'm so exciting excited. To see. There's two spinoffs coming from what I've heard. There's this mm-hmm. and an Arkham one that'll just mm-hmm. both seem exciting. I, I, I'm all about it. Count me in. I will be honest. First wash through. I didn't get the uh, Elrata Alada clue. I didn't uh, get it, like, the URL. It went over my head. And I didn't get it until I watched the second time. I'm like, oh, you are. Yep. <laughs> it, it it got me till the second time. I just kind of all of a sudden was like, oh, we're on a computer. Oh, oh, oh no. I just got to keep up. And so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was like rat with wings. That I loved that whole thing, too, because it was it a pigeon. Was it a bat? Mm-hmm. Was it a penguin? Nope. It mm. was a falcon. I er, So good, because that was one. I thought I was one step ahead of them. And then, nope, turns out there was two more steps that I had missed. Mm -hmm. That one, I wish they could have maybe cut out one to two steps of getting to that clue Mm. just for brevity. By the third time, they were like, El Rada Elada. I was like, come on, I'm done with this clue. Can we 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 keep a clue? Just let me go to the website. Evan goes, yeah. stick to the rule of threes, please. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I remember I was in the se- similar place where it's just like, all right, he's talking about this rat a lot, you know? So I'm ready, you know, while yeah. I love, again, I loved the environment it's creating and I love being, mm-hmm. I just, I would rather be along for the ride and not knowing what's going on at every single second than to be having, being able to be ultra predictive and just knowing yeah. what's going on. First wash through, they directed so many ways that it takes you. It took me away from my first hunch, which is like, obviously, it's Carmine Falcone. Like, come on. It's obviously, it's the current mob boss. What are you yeah. talking about? Come on, Batman. <laughs> no, they directed me enough away where I thought yeah. it was the penguin, and then I thought it was Batman, and then they figured it. So I was like, I think I'm ahead of them, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I, um, you know, the penguin is in two of probably the best scenes in the movie, which is the car chase, oh, God. Um, mm-hmm. which is oh, yeah. almost from his perspective. You know, we get shots of Batman in his Batmobile, but it's him really running away from the Batman at all costs. And it's such a mm-hmm. action packed, fun edge of your seat scene. And then it ends, obviously, with the other great scene of them interrogating him. And uh, that's where we get to see his acting chops really, really come out, I feel like. Yeah, I do just want to give a quick shout out to John Turturro, who plays Carmine Falcone. I feel like I've only seen him in more lighthearted comedic stuff, but does a good job as a mobster. I know him as Adrian Monk's brother, for anyone who ever has watched (laughs) Monk. Another world's greatest detective. (laughs) Yeah. It's the the big Lebowski for me. That's oh the, yeah, uh, he's in that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the that's the classic John Turturro role. I forgot it's, about that. Okay, it's, uh, Transformers for me. Another <laughs> another back to we Michael all Bay. Have such a random. I know. Yeah, I'm waiting for someone to say it's Mr. Deeds for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a oh deep god, cut. this is good. That's I haven't thought of cut. Mr. Deeds in forever. Hold uh, on. Um, <laughs> but he did really well. And you know yeah. what? I'll be honest. I thought this man had transition sunglasses, and I was mad. And then when I found what? out he just always wears sunglasses, I was like, okay, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to come to the weird realization I'm more okay with sunglasses inside than I am with transition lenses. I think most people feel that way. <laughs> okay. Didn't know if that was a hot take or not. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Warby Parker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, Evan. It looks like we have a recording yeah. from what I'm guessing is the Riddler himself. And we need to figure out this riddle 
before time is up. So Ooh. I'm going to play it real quick. Here it is. It can be high or low, over, but not under, lost, but never stolen. All right. And just so we can actually understand what the riddle is, it is it can be high or low, over, but not under, lost, but never stolen. Evan Laborn, what do you think this could be? Oh, you're asking me? Okay, so it could be high or low. Over or under, is and then lost but never stolen. Over, over but, but not, not over under. but not under. High lost, lost but never stolen. Lost but, lost never, but stolen. never stolen. High but never high under. Or low. High or low. High or low. Over but, but never, never under. under. Lost but never stolen. I. Oh God, I have no clue. Thirty seconds. I've got. I, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys went to that uh, went to that website after the end credit scene and tried to solve the. Oh, you guys got to do that. Are they hard? Uh, I couldn't even get one of them. I got <laughs> I got super frustrated. And I had to, I just closed out. So I don't know. I've got no clue. Unfortunately, Evan Laybourne's head has exploded. Has been blown <laughs> off. Yeah, but the answer. Tweet at us or send us an Instagram DM or tell us if you think you know what the answer is. Yeah, tell me because it's going to drive me crazy. Okay, we'll edit this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. (laughs) This episode of Two Dudes Watch Cartoons is brought to you by Deity Microphones. Literally, they were kind enough to send me a test unit of the new V07U Dynamic USB mic. So all of my audio on today's episode is recorded on the V07U. And all the audio that you're hearing right now is raw, unedited, and straight from the mic. Honestly, this is probably what I'll use going forward just because it is so nice to look at. It's not bulky at all, and it's got a great sound right out of the box. The dynamic mic is going to give you that smooth, warm sound without picking up as much room noise like you'd get with a condenser mic, which is pretty much every other USB mic out there on the market. It is USB-C compatible, which is a nice update, uh, but this microphone is just beautiful. It's got a sturdy metal construction, this RGB ring with 12 different settings uh, you can toggle between so it looks good on video, and this floating pivot arm makes it really easy to maneuver. It takes three eighths and five eighths threads. So you can put it on a boom arm like I have, or on a tabletop stand that you already have. And if you don't have one yet, they do send you one in the box as well. I've been using USB mics for the past 15 years of my life for all the audio content that I make. You need good sound. That's the bottom line. And the VO7U is going to get you there. If you want to step up your podcast or your Twitch stream or your YouTube videos, check out the VO7U, it is definitely worth your while. This goes on sale March 17th, so pre-order or order depending on when we release this episode. Uh, but check it out at deitymic.com, D-E-I-T-Y-M-I-C.com. Thank you again, Deity Microphones. Now back to the episode. Two dudes watch cartoons. They watch cartoons. They watch cartoons. All right, so I think that's a good place to transition to one of the twists of the movie is that Carmine Falcone's daughter is Selena Kyle. Mm. This episode isn't coming out for another two weeks, so if you're planning to watch it, you've had plenty of time to not get spoiled. <laughs> but uh, I was like, where are you going about, with this? Okay. <laughs> let's talk about Zoe Kravitz. 
Brizard. Wow. What? Oh, okay. Wait, sorry, I'm flustered. Yeah. We got to talk about Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I don't even. Where do I begin? I got okay. I have like a schoolgirl crush on her. Holy mm-hmm. shit! Did she nail this? She is. I love Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I love Halle Berry as Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz is my new favorite Catwoman. She was Absolutely, so yeah. good. She was so good. And like I said, it was a lot of physical acting. I just. She she made me tingle when she said things and when she walked. It was great. We got we got to talk about the Catwoman walk. Oh, oh my god! My this god. this was the, the uh, this was the best. Not to take this in a walk. wrong direction, but no. But sorry, it's it's, it's there. about the physicality of the role. <laughs> it was just incredible. It was such a like a uh, powerful walk. She had such mm. a powerful walk, such a demanding presence. Yeah. You know. I think that's a good way to put it. She, yeah. was, she always made her presence heard, seen, whatever it was. And I loved her outfit. What did you think, Evan? <laughs> I, I loved the, I the calling card of like the first thing Batman sees of her is the, are they like stiletto? The boots. I don't know, the, the boots, the leather mm. boots. And that's like, Thigh it's high a, boots. like a calling card for her in some scenes where like you see the boots first. When, it's a visual. Yeah. I just feel like. So Anne Hathaway did a good job in the role of Catwoman, but like this femme fatale thing, I don't think it worked as well in Christopher Nolan's world of like high tech gadgetry and almost James Bondian. Uh, it, it, like she was almost too Robin Hoodie in that one. Like, a little bit. Eat the rich, but, which yeah. I love the message was all about it. Like, don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But this one was like. She just felt like she was very in it for herself more so where like Anne Hathaway's felt like she was trying to topple the whole system. Mm-hmm. I think it just fits so much better in this seedy underworld of Gotham, that mm-hmm. character. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is fantastic. She's a lovely woman. Great physicality to the role, like we've been saying. Awesome action scenes. And I yeah. love there's a couple moments in this movie that are deeply. And I don't know that other people would describe the movie this way, but really romantic the first scene is after their scuffle and they're both hushed up against the wall as the cop is coming through the mayor's house yeah and it's when she finally loosens a little because she was struggling and she realizes what's going on and she loses and and it almost looks more like a hug oh my god that's probably the first hug bruce has had in so long (laughs) not no 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 no. like i'm i am making a joke but i'm actually making a point here too is this is literally what freaking draws him to Catwoman is like yeah he, he doesn't have these moments with anyone else in his life that's a great point yeah yeah I love the moment where she's putting in the contact lenses and he like gingerly mm. holds up her chin and he goes yep that's good <laughs> so good so good no, like, oh my she, god are they falling in love and she really? leads yeah. into it with like so you don't even care what happens to me in there tonight do you he goes come yeah. here and he grabs her face <laughs> Deep, loving, loving stare. And for, you know, sorry if children are listening, but fuck me eyes from both of them. (laughs) And he just goes, those look good. Referring to the contacts (laughs) in her eyes. So good. So good. That's what I'm saying is there was funny moments in this movie. They're not the Marvel, you know, cap yelling language, but like they were really funny because they were well written and -hmm. well acted. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of touching on it now. I'm going to compare it again to Dark Knight Rises. This may be a little reductive of Anne Hathaway's portrayal. It was a great job, but 
she very much was kind of just like the object of desire, Batman's object of desire. That was her role in that plot. But I felt like Catwoman had stakes in this movie. One of the big final showdowns mm-hmm. is her versus uh, Carmine Falcone. And she's the one, and this is what I really love about this story and portrayal of the character, is she is reflecting the vengeance character back mm-hmm. to the Batman. Oh. She's a mirror to him. And so when he says, don't throw your life away, telling her not to shoot Kenzie, he's pulling himself back from the edge as well. It's like, right. it's like, oh, maybe I've gone too far. So she is a reflection of his humanity and she loses it sometimes just as he's lost his way. And I just like love that, that dance. You didn't even the finish the iconic line there. He goes, don't throw your life away. She goes, good thing I got nine and jumps off the goddamn building. <laughs> Are you kidding yes. me? That was one of my favorite mo- moments when she literally goes, good thing I got nine. And then vroom, sing. it was perfect. It's so the perfect good. balance of it's not too cheesy to make me go, you know, to uh-huh. recoil. And it's, it's fun enough to, to elicit some excitement, you know, it's mm. clever enough. It's, it's clever yeah. enough to not be dumb. It was yeah. just, again, testament to the writing and the character. And again, I don't know that that moment would have worked in Dark Knight Rises because it would have been like, good thing I got nine of them. Clicks a thing on her visor, folds up into cat ears. There's transformer noises, pops <laughs> yeah. on a motors. Like, it, it just does, it doesn't work as well there. I get um, what you're saying. So for me in this movie, what the big difference between Anne Hathaway and Selena in this one was more so the romance aspect of it. Like that one, not saying that one felt forced. It definitely felt earned in dark Knight rises, but this one was much more like Evan said, the mirror Batman is addicted to this criminal lifestyle, beating up criminals, wandering the night. He can't have a normal romance at this point. No other woman is going to give him what she does. No other woman's going to know him as the Riddler said, no one's going to know him as he actually is in the mask like she is. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to end yep. up knowing Bruce Wayne, and he doesn't feel like he is Bruce Wayne anymore. He is the Batman. And so mm-hmm. to me, it's just his all-out love and desire and lust for just like the criminal aspect of it all. And he just pours it into her because she mm-hmm. will help him. She will also steal He's trying to make her like, no, don't kill. You're not like the others. You're like me. And he's mm-hmm. just so desperately trying to hit, cling on to that. And it's so romantic and touching and moving. And once again, it's not spoken in the dialect. It's done in stares and in the plot and like different quips, the nine lives and the it's so well done. It's their so story. Good. Their story together is bookended by that first embrace. And then the one at the end where he peels the gun away from her. It's just a beautiful love story. There, the chemistry between Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz unmatched. I could watch that for three hours. Absolutely. Oh my god, their chemistry is unreal. It oozes off of them in every scene they're together. Once mm-hmm. again, a lot of this movie was, and that's one of the things I've really come to appreciate. Batman is he does have these one-on-one relationships with the Joker, with the Riddler, with Jim, with uh, Selena, with Alfred, and they're all different reflections of who Batman is or who he wants to be or what he's afraid of becoming. And so when they're done right, we get to see him and Jim as a a pair. We get to see him and Selena, their dynamic. A lot of this movie was other people acting 
with Robert Pattinson and him Mm -hmm. not being able to say things sometimes or him wanting to say something different. Like at the end when he is like to Jim, he's like, you're a good cop. Oh, that was his goodbye. Like he couldn't say goodbye. Oh, it's so good. That felt like a million words mm. in one sentence, you know? Yeah. Like if I said that oh to somebody, God. it's be like, oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks boss. Thanks <laughs> you. you know? <laughs> but when the with, the with the context of what they've been through and what we've learned about Bruce Wayne and, and how shelled off he's become and his relationship to all these characters, like you're saying, it feels like he's, that's the most soulful thing he could say at that moment. That's what, that's how he gets it out. And it's just like, it feels so impactful. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, just cause I can't help myself, but to, to slip in one little jab at Marvel movies as much as I love them. It's uh-huh. like, I'm going to compare it to one of the relationships in that franchise, the big death in Avengers Endgame. game. Well, spoilers. Tony, Tony Stark <laughs> joking in Gwyneth Paltrow's arms. What's her name? Pepper Potts. In those 20 some movies that led up to that, I never got the impression once that he gave a shit about Pepper Potts. <laughs> <laughs> like, when, what? Yeah. There was yeah. no romance there. No, you're right. Because there was no love story there. He, she's not in some of the films. <laughs> I know. They explain it away with like, uh, we're not doing so well. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And then at the end, he's just like, let's have a baby. Come on. We got to do this. And do you're it. right. It, it do, even though they had way more time and way more opportunities, it almost doesn't feel as there. It wasn't there. Yeah. And so like this one for a, a comic book movie specifically, this movie dares to lean into genre in ways other, even DC movies i will admit most have been bad the all of the movies between mm-hmm. the dark knight rises and this movie have been pretty bad <laughs> i <laughs> and, will say ready for this not to and be this that is guy. why this is where they get good I, we are on a streak of decent dc yes. content right now we got zack snyder's justice league like at wb's behest more than yeah, anything which but i love the, Kicking and too. screaming. Yeah, love yeah. it. We got a kicking and screaming. Yeah. But then we got The Suicide Squad, which was, was good. good. It was yeah. good. It wasn't like amazing. It wasn't revolutionary, but I enjoyed it. And then we mm-hmm. got Peacemaker, which I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, if they could do this with Peacemaker, they're missing some opportunities. And now we got this. I think we are starting to hopefully turn the tide a little. They're not as worried about catching up to Marvel. They're just like, we need to make good movies. Yeah. And I think formulaic, not, yeah. not any of that. Yeah. They're yep. daring to be different. And that's, this that's what they movie need. is so, so, so different. That is what they Which need what moving forward. Um, we've really strayed off, but let's kind of wrap up more Selena thoughts because I know there's more mm-hmm. about her. Do you guys have a favorite scene with her? Oof. Definitely for me, the club scene, the first club oh, yeah, scene. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. With the context. With, you know, with the context. Yeah. That just felt like good old fashioned. Uh, you got the team, the SWAT team out in the truck outside there. That, it just good old fashioned spy shit, and, uh, which I mm-hmm. loved. And it was just that fully entertaining scene. Got to see things from her perspective. And obviously the fight scene at the end was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But I would have to say that the club scene for me was my, mm-hmm. my favorite mm-hmm. moment with her. Evan, Leon. Um, I got to go with their meet cute in the mayor's house. And then uh, when they go to her apartment afterwards, he made a comment about something at her place implying that he had been spying on her and she kind of looks at him weird. And then when they go into her apartment that first time, he picks up like a, a late notice on a utility bill and that's how he figures out her name. And he goes, Selena. And she like 
darts her eyes at him and I was like, oh, they don't say anything. She doesn't say anything about it, but she gives him this it's uneasy look. Visual. It's like, you fucking creepy bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And it's so simple. Like, yeah. you know what? He just picked it up right there. He didn't do anything <laughs> special. And yeah. it's so good. It's so good. Just and rifled through her mail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this really shows the detective side of Batman. If we haven't hit that enough, I love that look because he is the world's greatest detective. And that's why he really starts getting into all of this is he thinks he can solve crimes that the police can't. And then the physicality and the gadgets come along with, oh, there are perils out there I'm going to face. And so they're more of a response, which I like is we're seeing he's doing. And I mean, now we're just going straight back to the Batman. He just loves beating up criminals. And in this Who movie, we, oh, he, right, but in this movie, we really see that he's doing it like very selfishly, but he is just doing it because he's got mommy and daddy issues. Unfortunately, <laughs> he calls himself vengeance. That is a yes. very intense thing to call yourself. And yeah. uh, that probably means you're trying to, you're trying to beat up some criminals, man, for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, uh, but we don't need to get back to him because we can wrap up that plot at the end. Yes. So, ooh, not to spoil the movie. Uh, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Okay, um, other characters. So we finished on Selena. We talked a little bit about Falcone. My yeah. favorite Falcone part is he's not even in the scene, but it's when Jim and Batman and Selena are interrogating Mackenzie, and they finally put all the puzzle pieces together that Falcone is El Rado Alada. And mm. they're like, what? So Falcone is working for the cops and he's like, no, we work for Falcone. Like, yeah, yeah. Idiots. <laughs> and I, I felt like an idiot also. I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> duh. That's like a very a tale as old as time is that Falcone runs yeah. half the city. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe Falcone's working for the cops. They made me buy it in that split second. They so, did. And then yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when they brought that out, I was like, oh yeah, like imagine the mob boss yeah. of the city probably yeah. has his hands and some, but, you know, some cops pockets that was another moment where i was like come on with their detective skills it's like <laughs> you're, inter- you're interrogating a literal cop who works for the mob boss and you're going he works for you <laughs> like, <laughs> you've seen him work security detail at the club which which took Did me back not ever calling me dumb no i was <laughs> fooled though <laughs> no 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 I'm, I'm saying with batman and jim gordon right yeah, right making that realization but uh I just had like a weird flashback memory. I used he to was, go visit Haley at grad school in Cleveland. And sometimes we'd go out to the bars with our friends and there would just be like cops doing bar back and like grabbing glasses off tables. So I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like off duty cops funny. like McKenzie? No, they were in uniform. What? Like, what? That's I really weird. I, it was really weird. I was like, this is taxpayer funded. This is weird. This is taxpayer funded. Okay, 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 okay. You got O'Toole's Pub working for you? <laughs> <laughs> I work for O'Toole's Pub. So, all right. Let's talk now about... That was good. Um, let's talk now about the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Dano as the Riddler. Oh. Uh. This is what I'm really here for, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I want to go first because I feel like go first. you guys you may be more into it than I am. Mm-hmm. I think he did a great job. I love the portrayal of the character. I love mm-hmm. the modern updates to how the character is played. I love the serial killer aspect. I think it speaks to the writing and his acting ability that he only has one actual conversation with Batman. One scene with Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson in the third act 
And that is my f- one of my favorite scenes so of this movie. Good. It's so powerful. They don't meet for the two and a half hours leading up to that. Right, well, That's now I let you wild. go first. I'm going to cut you off because okay. I think one of the best scenes he had was him on FaceTime talking to the DA and Batman. And while that is not a face-to-face conversation, I will say he was the star of that scene and he did it through a cell phone, which yeah. to me is almost more impressive. And I True. bet your ass he's the one recording it, which means he was yeah. cameraman, director of that scene. <laughs> it's impressive to me, and he stole that scene from yeah. both the DA he's who's gonna about get to an get an Emmy for, for production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I understand what you're saying is he the character was very well written. I loved his riddles because we were supposed to get Johnny Depp rumored in the dark Knight Mm -hmm. rises as the Riddler. And I was excited about him back in like 2009. I said, if you're going to do a Riddler, his riddles have to be complicated. But once I hear the answer, I'm like, Oh yeah, obviously. And they can't be anything I've heard. And I think they nailed it out of the park. All his riddles left me like, Oh yes. Oh, clever. Oh, so good. Yes. And that was great writing in my opinion. Oh yeah. They made me feel stupid. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were good they were good they were great riddles yeah yeah yeah, totally what was your favorite riddle i'll be honest i only i only remember he lies so there was thumb drive there was okay url elrata alada ready for this there was some other good really tiny hints so as he's going along killing these people he covers up the mayor's face in duct tape because he is the face of the lie and then to the, uh, the DA, he covers up his mouth because he's the one who's silencing the lie. So ah. there's a lot of tiny metaphors along the way like that. And then ready for this, ah. the rug at the end where his whole grand plan actually is swept under the rug. Yeah, Everything yeah. he does is like a metaphor dripping in similes and just the see you in hell, his cards. I loved Like, maybe you're right, Evan. I didn't consider it this, but it was the writing of the Riddler that I loved. I loved Paul Dano's portrayal of it, too. But a lot of it actually is attributed to just the writing of the Mm -hmm. Riddler. I think he wasn't well served by the the cell phone footage. (gasps) Egad. I'm just saying, if we could have seen more of Paul Dano and Robert Pattinson together, man, that would have been fucking amazing. But that's what makes this such a great, like, serial killer movie, too. You don't see him until they catch him, right? I think he was perfect. Also, you know, huge Paul Dano fan. But I loved the, uh, it's hard to describe. So he, he he's portrayed as such this smart genius, almost this like Zodiac killer type where it's like, uh, how are we going to crack this? You know, there's no mm-hmm. way we can crack this. And then not to jump ahead, but to the end, they're seen together. You realize he's had, this one thing mistaken this whole time. It's like, Oh, he's overlooked something here, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, his relationship to the Batman and the Batman's involvement. It's something like that, even though he's so smart and so well thought out, he's got everything meticulously planned. You know, something falls through the cracks too, which I loved. Let's talk about that end scene because it, it might be my favorite moment of the whole movie, the conversation Mm -hmm. they have the realization of what Batman has been inspiring. It was so, to me, so well done. And it was just so thematically a nice wrap up of what the Riddler 
why he was the way he was and how the Batman was related. He literally said, he goes, you have a part in this too. He goes, we're partners. That was brilliant. The Riddler thought they were partners. He goes, I told you to bring him into the light and then you did. And I took care of the rest. We did it. What are you talking about? Right, like, right. it was so mad. He was like, so matter of fact, you've gotten all my messages. You followed mm-hmm. the path. Here we are. Now we wait yeah. and we'll wait out this flood together. And then we can laugh our way to the bank, buddy. And he was so upset that Batman had not figured out the last yeah. piece of the puzzle. And that is so true to Edward Nigma is he is more about the game than actually mm. anything. And, oh, this was one thing I didn't get till the second time either. There are like two or three separate times where they get a clue or a lead on the clue. And Jim Gordon will be like, we got to stop the Riddler. We need to go find the Riddler. We need to stop him. He's going to kill again. And every time Batman responds with, if we follow the puzzles, we'll find the Riddler. Batman's more into the game too. Batman's like, I'm just going to follow the clues and we'll find him where Jim's like, let's go do something else to find this crack job. Like this (laughs) is not working. We need to stop him now. And Batman's like, let's follow the clues. He continually at every turn is like, no, we're going to keep following the clues. He's into it too. Let me walk back my previous statement. I'm not disappointed in Paul Dano. I don't think he was well served by the cell phone footage. I would have loved to see him do more of his thing. Mm. And boy, when he did his thing in fucking Arkham and Silent. Mm. No! <laughs> <laughs> this that is not how it's supposed, supposed to go. Every oh. movie Paul Dano was in, he has to have a meltdown. That's the Paul Dano. That's the Paul Dano rule. That's the Paul Dano rule. I saw some tweet or headline or someone. No, no, (laughs) Someone asked him if he had talked to Jim Carrey about playing the Riddler because Jim Carrey played the Riddler in 1998 or some shit. What what a dumb fucking question. But. Uh, he goes, uh, no, I haven't really, but like, you know, I'm doing a different take on the character. And he's like, I, I do love Jim Carrey. He was one of my favorite actors growing up, as was Nick Cage. And I was like, that tracks. That absolutely tracks. There's no question that about checks that. checks out, yeah. That's so funny. Oh, I really like Paul Dano, and I think he served his purpose really well. He was creepy when he needed to be creepy. He was a little insane when he needed to be insane. But he was so goddamn smart and he was one step of ever he was one step ahead of everyone. And yeah. I think I saw a tweet earlier today that said, I definitely think that this Riddler has the highest body count of any live action Batman villain because that oh, flood sure. took out a ton of people. Yeah. It was yeah. devastating. It wasn't Bane blowing up half the football stadium and, and trapping the city, but it was like realistic. And it was just seven vans around water bear bridges. It was so good. And it was so devastating. Yeah. I, this is one of my first thoughts of the movie is before even watching it is I just love that the crime that Batman is trying to prevent or combat is just murder. It's not, <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's not a wrestler committing acts of terrorism on an yeah. entire city. Call in the fucking National Guard. It's yeah, like this sure. is yeah. this is Batman level street crime. So this, good. It, this what trying to stop he should be doing yeah. the whole time. Just a serial killer. <laughs> it's so good. He's trying to stop a serial killer, a mass serial killer, because then he goes, oh, and it's so good. And is this the first villain we see do a TikTok live? That's got to oh be Oh, my God. <laughs> when he goes, hey, guys. Hey, guys. That was hilarious to me, too, when it he was wasn't good. doing the creepy yeah. voice to his fans. He's like, 
<sighs> hey guys, so these last couple of weeks have meant the world. That was awesome. Like he was doing yeah. his own podcast. Yeah. He was like, yeah. all right, guys, so I bought all the guns. I got you guys some masks. I'm going to be gone. So you know what to do. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Riddler out. Yeah, that's right. Get the Oscar nominations ready. That is some, I mean, I know they're already out, but we should add that. Yeah, that man has some range. So good. It was really good. It was small details like that. That yeah. were just so great. And I'll be honest, I love that he was just across the street from the Iceberg Lounge the whole goddamn time. Like, it's so, I don't know why. It's literally like, oh, right under our noses. We didn't sweep the area, mm-hmm. I guess. Movie's over oh. in 20 minutes. They're like, across the street, we see this guy spying on the Iceberg Lounge. Also, okay, wait, actually, maybe this is actually like a huge plot hole. The Riddler's photos might have been taken from that same angle. Could you not just be like, where were these photos taken from? <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I guess. So. I guess so. I guess no, you know we're really- editing this out. Don't plot. <laughs> we're not poking holes in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is probably you know let's just go with the flow and go into the the, the final oh, climactic yeah. moment of the movie. Yeah, the flood. I, I go back and forth on it. To be honest, mm. I, I, I would love to watch it again. I think it's important, especially for the last realization. Of his his vengeance to Batman transformation, but I was like, oh, he's got to deal with a fucking flood now. Like, come on! It was so much. It was so heart racing because that's like a real. You could water was rising. Selena's trying to get out of the city, and he's like, you can't go. There's water, and it's slowly starting to hit her feet. Mm-hmm. It was panic inducing, and the water was rising slowly. And I just think it was so beautiful because the way some of these lights hit the water in the stadium and. Someone mentioned on Star Wars when I was talking about the Batman there that it was uh, like a rebirth, like a like a, uh, a, baptism. a baptism of Batman when he fell into the water. He was like, yeah. I need to be more than what I've been doing because this giant climactic scene of all of these Riddler fanatics where he's taking them on and it's just brutal and it's bloody and it looks like they're going to lose. Like Bruce is passing out. He's got to stab himself with some sort of adrenaline venom thing. We don't know exactly what that is. And Mm -hmm. it just comes to that great moment where the criminal goes, he's like, who are you? I'm vengeance. He's finally seen what he is inspiring in this city and he's disgusted in the face of it. Oh, Oh, Evan uh, Laybourne, what did you think of this final climactic flood scene? I thought it was great. You know, I've read some complaints that it felt labored and long. This is where I've heard most people say, like, this is where I started to feel like the length of the movie. And I just thought, personally, I thought it was a perfect climactic moment in so many different ways. I really love that that baptism comparison that you brought up. That that's that fits. That I love that. I forget which one of you guys said this. Uh Lee and you said this where it felt like the becoming of it, you know, it actually happening didn't feel so extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, okay, this guy's blowing up a football field. Where did this <laughs> come from? You know, how is this possible? Like you said it was just it was it seemed feasible. It didn't take me out of like, yeah. wow, this is yeah. a ridiculous thing. I could connect the dots here to how it would get sure. to this point. Let me maybe work through some of my own uh, uh, hesitations. Maybe I still need, as much as I love this movie, I still need the challenge of the summer blockbuster mentality. I would have been okay with it ending just with that fight in the scaffolding of the, of the arena. No, so that sure. would be, that's how no. uh, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm working through the emotions here. <laughs> Uh, that's how these things go, right? And so the flood is necessary because that's where he becomes 
hope rather than vengeance. Right. <laughs> I appreciate it. We get thing. yes. We get the flare shot where he's leading the people to salvation out of the fucking water. He's it's literally good. the light. He's become he's the, the light. light now. He's the, he's the he's, guiding light for these people it, with that yeah. torch. Oh, absolutely. What a scene. Oh it was, God. I thought, so important. And that's what the importance of it wasn't really illuminated to me until the end where I was just like, oh, this this scene had to happen this way. You know, yes. like where it was, in my opinion. I remember when I was watching it, I did get a sense of like, okay, we're getting like a classic sort of blockbuster action ending here, you know, but mm-hmm. then the ending, that's what this movie's about. Yes. yes. This is where all the dots connect. Right. Where right. this is almost a bit of a, a Batman Bruce Wayne origin story in its own. Right. He is mm-hmm. not the full fledged Batman we know yet. At the beginning of this movie, he's self serving vengeance. By the end of it, he realizes I can't just be fear. I can't just be vengeance. I have to be more for these people. Mm. It's so well done when these people are literally dying and he reaches his arm out to to say, like, let me help you. And they're still scared of him. Still scared. They're still frightened by him. And it's the goddamn son of the mayor who's the first one to reach out. And it's because along the way, he has seen Batman help firsthand. He saw him the night his dad was murdered. Try to figure out who did this. He uh, he knows what Batman actually stands for because he's seen him in the midst of it. He's not just fighting in the shadows. I'll fight in Gotham Stadium, fr- front mm-hmm. and center stage. Wow, it's literally, oh my God, what an amazing metaphor. He's like, I can't keep fighting in back alleyways. I will yeah. fight where this city needs me to be because I need to be more than I have been. And that's Ooh. where he gets the, the great realization that he can stand for hope. He can be mm, so much more than vengeance. Yes, yes, yes. I'm with you guys now. I see the emotional importance of this scene, the impact that it has. But let, let's give credit where credit's due. That fucking scaffolding fight was pretty oh, fucking cool, guys. God. It was really cool, dude. <laughs> it was so good. And this this is what I was referencing earlier. When Batman blows up that like little steam fog tank yeah. or whatever, and he's fighting in there, it's all jump scares it's that's what the music is it's like the violin shrieking right and i was like oh this is what we forget batman is not cool swap james bond right i'm fucking terrified i don't want to be around this dude yeah this is what it's about and the action is so good oh man the the, the great fight choreography and everything the fear that is just portrayed in this movie from the non-physical acting to the the jump scares that you said Oh, and one thing we didn't touch on, I have to go back just a moment, is the paranoia throughout the whole movie. I didn't catch this as much my first viewing, but from the goddamn jump. Yes. Batman is scared that the Riddler is going to unmask him from the start. As soon as the Riddler says the term unmask, and then as soon as he mentions Bruce Wayne, he's like, you have a part in this too, Bruce. He the whole time is so paranoid that the Riddler knows who he is. Now, I know it's a little open for interpretation. I personally don't think the Riddler does know he's Bruce Wayne. And it was a, a, a design for us to feel that paranoia that Bruce and Batman did. I don't want to even want to call him Bruce. Uh, to feel the paranoia that Batman did. Like, oh my God, he knows. He knows my secret. And then he gets him with the, he's the only one we didn't get. Oh, 
my heart dropped when he said that. I was like, oh my God. That's a great Mr. X. Yeah. I thought that was an amazing little little bit of spice on top of the Riddler character. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit to humanize everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a little bit in this movie that humanizes every character, in my opinion. And that was one moment where it's just like, oh, this guy, he's, he's, I don't think he's right about that. He got that one wrong. This guy's so fucking smart throughout the rest of the movie. And mm-hmm. he's not seeing that. That was my interpretation. I know, like you said, it's yeah. open for interpretation, I think, purposely. But it's my sense that he doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. But the paranoia is there. The paranoia yeah. is palpable and it's yeah. so good. Yeah. As I was putting together my notes, literally the first thing I wrote is this movie feels both expansive and claustrophobic. This movie is so many tight shots of Batman from the shoulders up. Just his face, just his eyes. We've never been that intimate with Batman before. So well said. This was such an intimate look at Batman. Mm -hmm. We got right up in there with him in every step of the way from some of our camera angles. Think about when he's gliding off the police building. We are in his goddamn face. And then he takes that tumble. We take that tumble with him. Like you said, this was such an intimate look at Batman. Man, I said this earlier, maybe not on this podcast. I'm just ranting. I cannot talk highly enough about this movie. It was so beautiful from Mm -hmm. the music, from the visuals, from the story, from the character chemistry. I have never once used the term beautiful to describe a Batman movie, but it was just so that's the only it was amazing. I totally agree. Evan, you're uh, you're a musician. You're a drummer. You're a music instructor. Yeah. Bum, what's your what's bum, your take on bum, bum, what do you, what are your thoughts on the score? Bat, in my opinion, and I might be suffering a little bit from recency bias here, just from having just seen it. But I love movie music; it's one of my favorite genres of music. And mm-hmm. as much as I admire and love Hodden Zimmer for what he's done for movie music to kind of modernize it and push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that Michael Giacchino, I'm pretty sure I'm saying his name right, I think. I think he created the best Batman soundtrack that, that we've had so far. It just it's it's simple. So good. It's simple. It brought back the idea of of thematic themes and motifs, which I love. And not saying yes. that previous movies didn't do that, but the simplicity in which he does that in this movie, I thought was incredible. And the way that the uh Batman theme and also Catwoman theme, they have a quality of intertwining a little bit more than I've heard in the past where I remember the Catwoman theme in, in, uh, in Nolan's Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises is very distinctly Catwoman. Doesn't it's sound a, like anything else in the movie. It's a sexy foghorn instead of a loud one. <laughs> yeah, I, right. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> my good friend Alex Day at one point compared Batman's theme music almost to like Darth Vader's Sith entrance music. It, and I was like, it, absolutely. It, I think I think they serve a similar purpose. Like and you're supposed to be scared when this character walks in. For sure. Not to get too nerdy, but yeah. The please this do. is going to be the nerdiest shit. Please, I've ever said. Please, no, like, please, 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 please. So do. the interval uh, in music, there's intervals, relationships between notes. Um, the interval at which those two chords relate, buh, 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 in this and in the Imperial March are the same. They're a major third down from each Ooh, other. So wow. they're Love actually uh, technically the same interval and. I think it just it's the the quality of it is very intense and brooding 
and very almost evil. It's supposed to be though. He's it's supposed not, to be. He's not that much of a good guy in this. Right. Movie. Let's be honest. He's he is beating up criminals, which is helpful, and he does help the police. But man, he's more like a <laughs> to quote the Joker. He's more like a a stray without a bone. Like he doesn't he doesn't know what he would do if he ever caught a car. Like he's finally in that point where he's like, oh, I can focus and channel this. Before he was a little bit like, I'm just going to go out on the streets and beat up people. And in the beginning of the movie, yeah. he's like, I don't think what I'm doing is working. Crime, murder, mm-hmm. the theft, it's all up two years after I started mm-hmm. the Batman. And by the end of the movie, I think he starts to realize, maybe I'm part of the reason crime has started to go <laughs> yeah. up a little. Maybe there's yeah, yeah. socioeconomic factors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the consequences of my own actions? What? Yeah. Yeah. So... I love I just love like I said it's it's a show not tell of him going through the process of like I need to be more I need to do mm-hmm. I I need to step out into the light I need mm-hmm. to be the hero that this city needs at the moment and I can do that I can be a symbol of hope that bat signal it, it does elicit fear but I want it to the mm, that bat signal elicits fear to criminals but to civilians I want it to elicit some hope mm-hmm. that's what's missing yeah mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think this is a good jumping off point to kind of step back, gather our, our final thoughts on this movie and, 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 you know, give credit to Matt Reeves all in, in kind of one Laybourne, what you had said about the score, bringing back like a really bold theme. Mm. I think you can extract that to this whole movie, this whole film, Matt Reeves concept. This is the first bold blockbuster for lack of a better term it's a it's not the right characterization but i'm going to use that to relate it to other movies in the genre that we have seen and i don't know since the dark knight right like right. there have been 20 marvel movies i can think of five you know mm. off the top of my head that are like oh those are pretty good kind of memorable yeah. scores forgettable Do, does anyone know a single Marvel movie score. Gotta get those jabs in. I can picture Spider-Man's little tune okay. that he has. Yeah, but yeah, I, I understand what you're getting at, and I totally agree. The score in this movie really elevated it yeah. to, you know, a lot of people, like my girlfriend Nikki, are not super into comic book movies. She watched uh, this, was into the whole thing. She right. was on the edge yeah. of her seat. She loved it because it's, this is so much more than a superhero movie in my opinion it, yes and so the other thought i wanted to make sure I, I mentioned is that just the fact that this movie is is not shot 100 percent on green screen on a soundstage in it in fucking atlanta like every yeah. fucking marvel movie it's so much more engrossing there's a real sense of place to this gotham city to this film to matt reeves take and i give him so much credit he uh directed this movie Co-wrote the script. I'm I'm blanking on the on the other writer's name at the moment, but I want to give him so much credit for writing this intricate mystery while leaning heavily building? into genre while world building film that is like nothing we have seen before. There's going to be this debate, I think, for a long time, which is the better film, The Dark Knight or The Batman. And the way I've boiled it down is is for me personally, this is the better. Batman movie. The better Batman movie might be The Dark Knight. 
Sure. Mm. You can make arguments both ways, but this is the better, more faithful adaptation of the character. And it's just so much more of a, of a statement. Mm. The Dark Knight, you're right. It's probably a better movie, whereas the Batman's a better Batman movie, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. They're both great. It's really hard to rank one over the other. I would have to say, if we're we're going on closing thoughts here, this movie to me was like a love letter to Batman. It was a character study, a deep dive, intimate look at everything that makes Batman Batman. The paranoia, the late nights, the lack of sleep, the bruises, the fights, the interrogations, the the paranoia. I might have repeated that. I'm paranoid. <laughs> uh, um, no, but it's just it's so good. It, it's so good. And it's mostly visual. It's got a great script, but it's got a better story. Like the dialogue is good. But the story as a whole is just really top notch. There's so many hints and clues at little things. One thing I missed is every one of the Riddler's cards is a reference to a different Batman villain. There's Poison mm-hmm. Ivy. There's Hugo. There's it's so good, and it's just tiny things like that that show like like you said, Jim Gordon was in it. Matt Reeves was in it. Robert Pattinson was in it. They wanted to make a Batman movie and they wanted to make it a stylistic. They wanted it to stand out for better or for worse. They made a different thing. They took a big swing and I think it really paid off. It's a new fresh look at Batman while being very true to the source material. Mm -hmm. I agree with everything you guys said, Um, not to beat a dead horse. So what I will say is um, I say beat that. what i will say is no that, horses were harmed in the making of this podcast <laughs> yeah peter don't come at us um so what i will say is that i think this is the direction that i'm seeing dc headed has got me monumentally excited for what's going on in this universe because growing up dc characters were always my favorite mm-hmm. um i think they are in my opinion more interesting characters than some of the other characters we have out there. And I just think what they've been doing is they've been focusing on making good movies first. I love how this is just a good movie by any right. The qualities of good filmmaking are in there. There's a good story. There's a good script. There's good acting visually and a good, amazing score. Cinematography is beautiful. It's wonderful to look at. It's not writing, even though obviously it's a Batman movie, Batman, Batman, and its characters play an enormous part in it. It's a good movie on its own right. It's not necessarily only mm-hmm. driven by the fact that, hey, this is a superhero movie, so you guys are going to yeah. want to come out and see it regardless because we got superheroes in it. I love that this is just a good movie in its own right, one that I would, if I wasn't a Batman fan, I would probably still enjoy watching just because yeah. there's so many awesome That's elements a great way to, to put appreciate. It. Yeah. Really well said. Yeah. Really well said. Wow. This, um, what a movie. That's all I can say. Yeah. Good. I, I, I almost feel like our closing thoughts are still not even enough to just give no. this movie the <laughs> yeah. credit that it deserves. It was so well done. And while I, I don't blame a single person for saying it, it's not as good as The Dark Knight, it's still, you know, ranking is subjective. It was still just such a goddamn good movie. It's yeah. so good. It's just, it's up there. It's in the conversation. Yeah. It's one of the goats. That should be enough. You know, recency bias or whatever, but certainly all things point to if you just look at it 
in its craft. It's just, it's up there. It's one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. Evan Laybourne, thank you so much for closing out this months long investigation into the character of Batman with us. Really appreciated your insights. Can you tell the listeners where to find you, what you yeah. got co- coming up? Sure. So uh, I'm honored to be on with you guys. This was so much fun. I love talking, talking shop with the boys. I had a great time. So like Evan said earlier, I am a, I'm a musician, played a few bands in the Metro Detroit area. You can find, uh, I'll just name some of the bands you can find on, you can find this on Spotify, uh, Perpetual Care, No great Fun band. Club, Boyfrienders. Mm-hmm. Solo Vechik. Those are some of the uh, groups that I play in that are on Spotify. And, uh, you know, if you're around the area, we got shows and, uh, you know, come out and see us. It's a whole bunch of fun. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having me guys. This is a, this such a blast. A, yeah. This has been a great time. I, I love covering this. When it, you guys uh, do your star Wars series, come get me. All right. I'm <laughs> yeah. in on that one. <laughs> I think I know a guy we, we could hook you up. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. 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 Uh, well, thanks. This was a lot of fun, uh, here with two Evans, a good old Evan sandwich. So (laughs) I think that's all we got. That'll do it for this episode of two dudes watch cartoons. I'll do the whole thing. I can't, I can't stop thinking about this movie, but I'll do the whole thing later. (laughs) Uh, just edit it in. And that concludes our two part investigation of the Batman. This episode is produced by tears over steak and two dudes watch cartoons. Our theme music is composed by me, Evan Leon. I want to thank our guest, Evan Laybourne, for coming on today. And of course, our sponsor, Deity Mics, for hooking it up with the BO7U. I want to thank my co-host and partner in crime reporting, Alex Brizard, for taking on this case with me. And I want to thank you, the listener, for hearing out our testimony. If you want more Two Dudes Watch cartoons, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us at Two Dudes Watch Cartoons on Instagram and at Two Dudes Watch on Twitter. We put out new episodes every two weeks, and we love to hear from you guys. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Welcome to another episode of Talking Dudes. I'm with the two dudes behind the incredible inside scoop on the Batman. Thank you. Uh, people have been clamoring for them all, all ever since. How are you guys? Uh, it's, it's been great. It's been an exhaustive process, but I'm so glad that, you know, our project is finally out there. It's, uh, it's, it's the role of a, of a lifetime, you know, much more than I can ask for. Months of work went into it. Uh, it's really cool to be here with you, Tommy. Uh, like, I love what you've done with Talking Dudes and the, the community you've built around us. We do it for you guys. That's right. All you guys. We've been doing conventions, panels. The excitement around this has been beyond my wildest imagination. So You know, it's like I'm the Batman myself. I feel like Robert Pattinson. I get stopped on the street. <laughs> just Josh. I'm just kidding. Any point did you, did you think you couldn't make it? Did you think you guys were going to break? Was there, was... Wow. This is a funny story. I'm glad you brought this up. There was. <laughs> A point between part one and part two where I called Evan up and we started recording. I said, you know what? We off air. Stop recording. Stop recording. And there was some tension. I, You know what? I'll let Evan take this one. It's, it's, it's a little more on him. Yeah. I mean, Alex and I are old friends, but like 
the amount of work and hours that went into this, it's like spending every waking hour with someone. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, it's like having a sibling. You get you, know, you get little tensions here and there. I'm annoying. I know. I know. I'm just <laughs> no, kidding. But I'm kidding. To, to be completely honest, like I didn't go into this intending to do like a method thing and take on the role. But at points, I became the obsessive reporter. Mm-hmm. At points, my wife had to be like, hey, <laughs> step away from your computer. Like you're spending too much time on this. I was like... I was like, no, I just got to keep editing this episode. So I definitely got wrapped up in the role, but it was yeah, all no, worth it in the end. It definitely came across that greediness that like, I, I felt you in the character. I was like, oh, where, where did Evan go? I just didn't even know where you were anymore. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You hit the nail on the head. And there was times I was questioning. I was like, hey, I want to get to the bottom of this too, buddy. But got to take a break every once in a while. Go yeah. outside. See the sun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any wild uh, fan. Fan experiences, you know, since this has gone out, what's the wildest fan oh, experience you've had? I've, I've had a few, you know, some people stop me on the street and they're like, you're one of the two dudes, right? From the yes. podcast. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. me. You know, you get photos. I mean, I guess you get people who will like yell from a distance, be like, is that you, Alex? And you're like, oh, God, and you put your collar up a little. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's nice. It, yeah, I'll always stop for a photo. I, I'm usually not doing anything better with my time anyway. So Evan will I'll charge $5. Just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, I know you guys got a busy schedule. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you for even coming by uh, to Talking Dudes. We're always honored when you guys can make an appearance. And we'll keep covering all the episodes each week, really diving into almost the deep dive of your deep dive. We appreciate it, Tommy. It's uh, been honored to be here. Yeah. Honored to be here. So happy yeah. to be here. All right, well, that's Talking Dudes. And be back, because we'll be a-talking.